The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. We are back, and there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. It's uh, August. We're getting ready to rev it back up. NFL is getting ready to come into full swing, so we'll be having these conversations a lot more often uh, here on Know the Score. Just letting everybody know, you can find us on the web at cspn.us. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitch Radio, all the usual suspects. Just search Know the Score or KTS Pod, and it'll get you to the right area where you can subscribe and listen to the podcast. All right, Dwayne, training camp has started. We've had our first game, preseason game in the books. But the biggest news in the sport, of course, the suspension. Of Deshaun Watson, we knew what the league was uh, was was asking for. They were trying to get this man suspended for a year. The players' association was like, ah, that's a little too harsh. Somewhere between six and eight games is good with us. And when the ruling came down, it was six games, uh, no um, fine for his reinstatement. His clause was he could not get any outside of the team. Uh, acquired massages so basically any massage treatment that he gets uh, from here on out while he's a player has to come through the team so of course all hell broke loose because uh, yeah that was only like one game for every four women that accused him Uh, (laughs) so um, the independent arbitrator Miss Sue Ellen Jackson she reached her decision based on past rulings handed down by the NFL uh, Ray Rice uh, was a case that she noted uh, she went in her dissertation and said that yes Deshaun Watson has a problem and yes he needs to be reprimanded to the fullest extent but based on y'all's prior precedent what y'all are asking for in a full year is just too out of line with what you've done in the past. So she stuck with the precedent that had been outlined in the past. So now we're in the process where the NFL has appealed that six game suspension. Uh, Roger Goodell has given over the reins to uh, an independent, uh, still his homeboy, but but not himself. He could have done it himself, but uh, in the light of these new rules and new way that they wanna uh, hand out the punishments and suspensions, Uh, He decided that he wanted to defer, and now we're waiting for what the NFL is going to decide. What the NFL decides still may not be final because Deshaun Watson and the Players Association will probably take it to court and get an injunction, and then we'll be on a day-by-day basis as to, you know, when the final judgment and ruling will be uh, handed down. But very, very, very sticky situation for the NFL, Deshaun Watson, and it's all because guess what when y'all could have went harder y'all didn't and now when y'all want to go hard y'all can't because it's not in your precedent yeah your uh your initial thoughts when you heard about the ruling sir my initial thought was 
bogus, but what's more bogus is basically the NFL did this to themselves. Um, I think everything that you literally stated was essentially my thought. Um, just that, just that saying, it was perfect. When you had the chance to do it, you could have, but you didn't. Now that you want, you want to, you can't. So that's really my like my thought about it. Um, I honestly, when I saw six games, um, I really just turned. Uh, I really just tuned it out after that because I, I just thought it was. A literal slap on the wrist, don't do it again. Um, and, you know, Deshaun Watson claims that he's remorseful, but he still doesn't, I think he still doesn't see, because he believes that he didn't do anything wrong, he is acting like it really doesn't matter, honestly. Um I just think that I just think he honestly he doesn't care. I really I really believe he does not care and Jimmy and D Haslam did not care when they took all this into account by making this trade for him. Um but you know, we're at this point now and the NFL brought this on themselves and you know the it's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a very very bad time. Uh, Cleveland's gonna have a lot of heat. Uh, the Browns are gonna have a lot of heat, especially when he comes back. I don't think the appeal's gonna work, honestly, and that's just where I sit on it. What brings us to some. All, so still some off-the-field news, but it's technically on the field, as Jimmy Garoppolo uh, has officially been placed upon the trading block. A lot of people are talking about uh, maybe if the you know suspension does come down and it's a year and, and things get murky with Deshaun Watson, that Cleveland takes a flyer on Jimmy Garoppolo for one season. Uh, what would be your thoughts about that now that the 49ers have told him that he can seek a trade? Well, I think the 49ers were really too late. I mean... Well, he was hurt. He had to get medically cleared. Yeah, he had to get medically cleared, but there's literally only one real place that has a real quarterback opening slot, or maybe two, and one of them is literally in their division. They're not going to trade within their division unless... It's a real enticing deal, which is Seattle. Right. Um, the other one, I think, would be Pittsburgh. But uh, Pittsburgh seems to be comfortable where they are. I think Mitchell Trubisky is the is the um, heir to Ben Roethlisberger. Mitchell uh, Trubisky, huh? Not old Kenny P? I mean, they drafted Kenny P, but... You know, from what I've seen so far, I mean, I mean, it's going to be an open competition. I don't think, I think Kenny P has locked anything down just yet. Um, but uh, 
Baker Mayfield, he's in Carolina now, and yeah, go ahead and, and talk about that. That's my next thing on the on the on the docket. Panthers signing Baker Mayfield. He's competing with Sam Darnold for the starting yeah. spot. This is your team, so this is uh, very near and dear to your heart. So, so jump on that. How do you feel about that? And uh, who do you think has the edge? I think I think uh, it's a good move. I I I think I think the Browns felt like he was too immature. I, in all honesty, you know, with everything that loomed over Deshaun Watson's head, I think it worked out, and they didn't have to pay two quarterbacks who have that fifth year option. They had to pay. 19 million to each of them. Baker taking a pay cut. Browns taking uh, some money off, and the Panthers didn't have to pay as much. I think they did a great job with the with the salary, and I think that Baker is one that's going to take shots down the field. I think he's going to be one. I think what he learned from this experience with Cleveland is if you're hurt, don't play hurt. Right. To definitely uh, the career experience that he is going to take for with him forever for as long as he's in the NFL. Yeah, and I think he realizes more. I think he realized, yeah, he realized he was. Yeah, he's definitely uh, did a, um, a disservice to himself trying to prove his toughness and his uh, stick-to-itiveness instead of going yeah, ahead and, so. and sitting out and uh you know early early impressions so far i think baker's got the edge over sam i've seen just some just some uh looks from uh sam i give sam credit because sam darnold was the one that was first reaching out to baker after the trade happened but I think just seeing the action from training camp, uh, I think that I think that uh, Baker's got the edge. I think he's connecting with the team, with the with the, with the guys. Um, um, I've seen a few dimes from him to DJ Moore, him to Robbie Anderson. Uh, Tommy Trumbull looks like he's going to step his game up. Uh, one thing I did also notice a uh, healthy Christian McCaffrey who's the X factor and all oh, this. Oh um, man, talk to me when we get to week seven about a healthy Christian McCaffrey. I ain't even worried about week seven. I just wanted to get to week three or week four <laughs> healthy. But we do know that when healthy Christian McCaffrey is and he took he took some money off his deal to help the Panthers as well. So, you know, the Panthers did explore trade options, didn't see anything suitable. That could also just be because nobody really wants to take that risk on. But the same thing you could say about Christian McCaffrey, you could say about Saquon Barkley. So, um, but I, I really think that's going to be the key to all he's going to be the key to all this is his health because remember under when Darnold was under center Panthers got to a good start that Thursday night game 
in Houston. He got hurt. He was done for the year. And the Panthers went 2-12 and 12 after that. So uh, it's going to be very – a lot of – there's a lot of things that go into play here. Um, you know, Baker could get the job. He's playing under Bob McAdoo, who honestly wasn't a big Mayfield fan. Uh, Baker's got a chance to turn a whole lot of things around here. And and uh, it's going to be a very interesting year for him, for the Panthers, and a lot – I'm excited to see what happens. I don't think they have enough to get by Tampa with Brady back or New Orleans. Uh, Atlanta is the only other question mark I see in the NFC South because um, they, they're they under new leadership at quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be Mariota or Ritter at quarterback, but um, it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. Health is definitely going to be the key. Last two notes we got. Uh, Matt Stafford dealing with some type of elbow injury during training camp. And Kareem Hunt just asked for a trade, got denied. He needs, he wants a new contract. And he's doing this new thing where he, instead of holding out, he's holding in, which means he's at practice, he's in the meetings, but he's not working with the team on the field. He's, you know, doing, you know, conditioning on the side. Um, that seems to be the new the new tactic that guys are using, and because you can't get fined, you can't lose money, and uh, you're negotiating for more money. So it's a pretty smart uh, situation. Yeah. I think um, DK Metcalf uh, was the first person to kind of employ this this strategy, and uh, he just got broke off. Debo Samuel got broke off as well, so they're both back uh, underneath their uh, you know current teams. Uh, Debo Samuel, a lot of 49er fans breathing a big sigh of relief that he came back with. Uh, Trey Lance getting ready to take over the reins. So uh, Kareem Hunt, man, very interesting situation here with Cleveland. Uh, you know, that's a big part of what people are projecting them uh, for their success is having those two dynamic running backs. But if, you know, they can't come to terms with a contract, um, this this hold in may actually turn into a holdout uh, once the season comes out. So uh, biggest concern, Kareem Hunt holding out or Matt Stafford having a little elbow injury in training camp? I think the I think the elbow injury. I mean, not saying Kareem Hunt is an important part of the Browns' offense because he is. I mean, he and he and Nick Chubb a formal deadly combo on the like inside outside combo. Uh, especially they're gonna need that if uh, Watson's suspension holds up uh, or gets or somehow if this appeal's successful, he's gonna need all the. The Browns are going to need all the help on offense, so I see why they denied that. But I think, like you said, it's pretty smart to hold in and you know show up and get money while, like you said, get money while you're trying to get more money. Um, but we know the quarterback position is the most important position. Stafford coming off the Super Bowl. Um, I think Wolford is still the quarterback, the backup for the Rams. So um, it's going to be tough in terms of, you know, getting that same, that same um, power, the firepower that Matthew Stafford has. So I, I think that 
Stafford's injury is going to be a little bit more impactful. Hopefully he'll be ready by the Thursday night opener in a few weeks. Um, so they're going to have to do what they have to do to get that. Speaking of, speaking of the opener, sorry, we had the NFL Hall of Fame game, first preseason game of this year. The Raiders defeated the Jaguars 27-11. to I was really impressed with Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's one of the few starters that played for the Raiders uh, in this particular first game. Um, none of the guys that we wanted to see for the Jaguars, except for number one pick, Trayvon Walker, uh, really played. He actually um, got like a, a quarterback uh, hit on the arm on the very first play, so impactful there. But like I said, Josh Jacobs started, had some really good runs, and, uh, you know, he's probably one of the guys who's kind of looking to impress the most because you know that Josh McDaniels in the Patriots uh, style is really not one particular running back. They kind of like to use a, a group of guys. And uh, Josh Jacobs is out here trying to prove that, yo, you know, maybe I can do, you know, at least the job of two guys and just only have one instead of three uh, running backs like the Patriots have deployed in the past. Um, anything in particular stand out? Even though, you know, this is, you know, the very first preseason game, a week in a training camp, these teams aren't really playing too many guys that are I'll be, front-line guys. I, I mean, no, nobody really stood out in this. Um, I can say that, you know, the preseason doesn't tickle my fancy. It doesn't excite me, like, and I say that because – like you said, no, none of the real players, none of the first string, like the lots that we know who are going to be there, aren't going to be playing in this very first game. It's a lot of guys trying to, you know, make it to the team. And I look at, you know, look on the, looking on the Jaguar side of things, like, Honestly, ain't nobody going to make the team <laughs> uh, the way they played in that uh, first preseason game. Uh, I think I think even with Josh Jacobs' performance, it's not going to be enough to maybe – he's going to have to repeat that over and over in order to – Impressed Josh McDaniels enough to go away from the running back by committee. Um, I don't, I can either see a trade happening if Jacobs doesn't want to be part of a running back by committee or, or he just falls in line. It's really going to be how he can handle the situation. So, um, not really to. Not really too uh, big on the preseason. I I finally I made a point like just hit me up on hit me up September eighth when the regular season kickoff in LA happens. That's really how I feel about like the preseason. I'm not. There's got to be somebody that has to really make me take a look like this guy's gonna be something, you know. Hall of Fame inductees for this year, class of 2022, Patriots and Raiders, defensive tackle Richard Seymour, 
linebacker from the New Orleans Saints and most notably Carolina Panthers, Sam Mills. Safety from the Green Bay Packers, inventor of the Lambeau Leap, Leroy Butler. Offensive tackle from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tony Baselli. Defensive tackle from the San Francisco 49ers, Bryant Young. Wide receiver of the Oakland Raiders, Cliff Branch. Coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, St. Louis Rams, and Kansas City Chiefs, Dick Vermeil, and referee Art McNally make up this class a Hall of Famers. Uh, just a, uh, a good array of guys, so just solid, really solid career football players. This was not a class of, like, you know, like true superstar power, like when we had Peyton Manning go in, you know, just a mega watt star, but really a, just a solid class of guys who've waited, in the case of Sam Mills and Roy Butler and uh, Bryant Young too, waited, you know, a good couple of times to, to have their name on the ballot but finally get in. Uh, good to see Dick Vermeil get in for all the years that he's put in uh, as a head coach and, and the things that he did with his second and third chances uh, in the league. Uh, just your overall thoughts on the Hall of Fame class before we uh, move on to college football. Um, definitely, I think the one that's near and dear to me is Sam Mills. Um, because Sam Mills literally... He is the slogan of the Carolina Panthers. He is keep pouting. He, he created that slogan while coaching while he had cancer. Uh, part of that 2003 Super Bowl run. Um, still can't believe, still believe in my whole heart if John Casey didn't kick that ball out of bounds, Carolina would have won that game. But that's all that story for another day. Um, John Casey might be the like second greatest Panther in the history of the organization, and yeah, that's the one thing in his career that he really just was like, man, he would like to have back. Yeah, yeah, and so um, his statues out, statue of Sam Mills is outside of Bank of America Stadium. The only Panther to have his number retired. Um, and and uh, Dick Vermeil's another one that stands out to me. I'm happy he got in with his contributions to the game, especially um, the greatest show on on turf, the belief in Kurt Warner. Um, and his belief, his energy. Positive for something that was a positive for um, that St. Louis Rams team that won the Super Bowl. The uh, Leroy Butler. That was another. That was another memorable. Tony Baselli, who was the original Jaguar. Right. Um, uh, so the original Jaguar. Uh, was the guy who uh, kept, you know, he would, he kept Mark Bruno protected from that left side. Um, and 
Jag- Jaguars had some great memorable runs um, in the playoffs. So um, that was definitely one of the best, uh, not one of the best Hall of Fame classes, but uh, but a worthy Hall of Fame class, a very worthy Hall of Fame class. And they, the contributions to the game for these gentlemen very well deserved. Right, right. We move to college football, UCLA, USC. They shake up the college football landscape by announcing they're moving to the Big Ten. The ACC, the Pac-10, and Big 12 are now out here kind of trying to figure out what they are going to do to try to survive against the mega SEC conference and now the mega Big Ten conference. Uh, we've got television <laughs> partners and college football playoff expansion as catalysts behind this conference reshuffling. So we know what the SEC has done. We know what the Big Ten has, has, has done. The question is, the ACC, the biggest thing that they have going for them is for the next, till like I think it's 2035 or something, 2034, they've got ESPN backing them up. So ESPN, they have the SEC. Fox has the Big Ten. Um, it would be in the best interest of ESPN to keep the ACC alive. Um, if that means inheriting some teams from the Pac-12, inheriting some teams from the Big 12, uh, what do you see as the best way the ACC can turn themselves into one of these superpower conferences? They're going to have to do exactly that. Uh, they're going to have to take the end of poaching to the Big 12 or Pac-12 or the Big 12 and Pac-12 need to just come together. I think all this conference reshuffling, I think the college football playoff has been the worst thing that's happened to college sports. Um all these multiple conferences we grew up on is a thing of the past. They need to literally just ditch all the conferences all together and just everybody have a free-for-all and schedule whoever you want. There's And the best, the best four teams in football, the best 64 teams in best, or 68 teams in basketball just need to have at it. Um, there's no point in conferences at this point anymore since everybody is moving left and right. Like, one minute, I think UCLA, USC, when they go to State College or they go to the big house in the wintertime, they're going to get a reality check on why they shouldn't have done that. Um, I think think it's – next thing you know, you're going to have – So Southeastern Conference, they ain't gonna, they just gonna just be SEC by trademark. Um, next thing you know, uh, next thing you know, Washington's gonna be in the ACC. Have a team in the Pacific, in the Pac-12, in the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Like none of this makes sense anymore. It used to be, it used to be geographically sensible, but at this point, it. It doesn't uh, even matter for, like, honestly, I, it's just, this is really annoying how all, like, all these, con- all these teams have, all these teams are switching and 
you know, it's just the point of the, the rivalries that were there are literally gone. Yeah. But yeah, they're dissolving. Yeah, like, yeah, UCLA, USC, they're still going to be together, but, you know, and, and you know, this looks, this looks even bad for Colorado because Colorado left the Big 12, and now they're looking at the Big 12 like, hey, help us. Mm-hmm. So, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's just really, like I said, it's really just... It's really just uh, it's really sad to see, honestly. I just think they just need to do away with conferences altogether. Well, television is going to dictate what happens going forward. Um, the college football playoff is definitely going to expand into a larger field. Uh, it's just a matter of if it's going to be 8 or 12. And um, you know, then they're going to be battling the TV partners for who gets the rights to broadcast it. And uh, that's going to increase the money in college football to another level. So, you know, it's just an arms race and everybody's trying to get in their silo so they can uh, stack it up with money. So we'll see what the future holds in the next couple of years, see what moves the ACC makes, try to improve their conference, turn themselves into a, a, a mega power conference. Um, we're going to transition into Major League Baseball, where the San Diego Padres tried to transition themselves into a major power heading into the playoffs as they traded for the wonderkin Juan Soto from the Washington Nationals. So in the last three years, uh, the Nationals have lost uh, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, and Juan Soto. And... Uh, it just makes it even more clear that the learners are trying to get out of the baseball business. They're not trying to put any absorb, even though the um, deal that they offer Juan Soto large in number, but very cost friendly as far as yearly salary. Um, so it shows that they're not trying to put any mega numbers on their books as they're trying to sell, as most people think uh, is the is the rumor. Um, the Padres 14 games out though uh, in the West. So, you know, catching the Dodgers doesn't look like that's going to happen. But they're going to try to position themselves for a wild card and make a run in October. Uh, how does Juan Soto bolster their chances, in your opinion? Uh, I like it. I like the I like the ambition the Padres have. You know, if you want if you want to win, you you go all in. Padres are going all in. I, I like that. The problem is, it's the Padres. Um, yeah, so the Padres, they have the last wild card currently. They're tied with the Phillies for the second wild card, two games ahead of Milwaukee. Um, three and a half behind Atlanta for the top wild card. Um yeah, but the problem with the problem that I have with I like the deal, I really do. I I love the potential of the team. Uh, the one thing I don't like is 
They already lost twice to the Dodgers. They play the Dodgers three, six, nine. Nine games against the Dodgers. They got nine games left against the Dodgers. Ten, including the one tonight. Um, <laughs> then they have... Um, If you really, yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now. They're not, yeah, they're not going to catch the Dodgers, but they have a relatively easy schedule. So they should get into the playoffs. They got Washington. They got seven games against the Nationals. They got the Marlins. They got Cleveland at home at Kansas City. They play Arizona, Colorado. And they have San Francisco and the White Sox. So they should get into the playoffs. And if they don't get into the playoffs, it's a colossal failure. But the thing is with the Padres, we've seen them go all in. And we've seen them fall flat on their face every single time. Uh, And as a fan of a team that has seen a team go flat on his face quite a bit. I know what that looks like. But best of luck to them. And we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, It's just wild to me how the Nationals just won a World Series three years ago. And they, you know, it wasn't a Marlins fire sale, but it's a fire sale nonetheless. As like you said, they're learners trying to get out the business of baseball, uh, looking to sell the team. Uh, They don't have, like a lot of people from that 2019 team, Scherzer, Turner, Soto now, all gone. I think when he turned down that $500 million deal, um, that was it for the learners and that was it for the Nationals. So just wild that three years ago they were on top of the baseball world. Now they're in the very pits of hell in baseball. Right, right. Well, Dwayne, the next time I talk to you, sir, we will be priming the people for the upcoming NFL season. Uh, we'll get in whatever news is going on, but we're going to focus on the NFC or AFC as a whole. We're going to talk about the division winners from last year, who we think are going to win the divisions, who's going to make the wild card, and ultimately who's going to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So uh, that will be the next time you hear our voices. We'll be talking and getting everybody prepared for the NFL season. At least let one preseason game get in the books before we uh, you know, get into that type of rambunctious talk. But at this point, Dwayne, I want to turn it over to you, sir, for your final thoughts. Oh, yeah. Well, shout out to the WrestleCast. Um, I really been a really good time in the wrestling world. I know we I know this is more about sports and everything, but really a good time in the wrestling world. Um, um, Before I get into my actual final thought really thought it'd be interesting to see what Dwight Howard will do in the wrestling ring. Um, <laughs> definitely had uh, some interesting, you know, it, 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 
he has the personality for wrestling, so I could definitely see and just seeing him on the bump is really how he definitely wants to train and see how that goes. So I was definitely impressed by that. But my final thought has to be the New York Mets. <laughs> I knew it. I wanted to you get knew it as quick as I could for you. Yeah, I'm surprised we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about baseball. Can, can, can we talk about... They might uh, be for real. Might be? It's still September. It's still September. I will say I will say there was a tweet from uh, Len Berman that really kind of stood out to me because he's a set, he basically, and I'm going to go to it real quick here. Um, so yeah, Len Berman basically said, tell the truth, Mets fans. You didn't expect to win two out of three from Atlanta. And now with, uh, Scherzer DeGrom, it could be four or five, which it ended up being, uh, they just won five to two, uh, stop always expecting the worst. And my response is we're Mets fans. We have to. Yeah. You're conditioned that way. Exactly. That that's uh, that, the second, the second, the Met, a Mets fan thinks they have nice things. The Mets fuck it up. So. I'm enjoying this ride. I'm trying not to get too optimistic. They have matched the Yankees for the best team in New York. Both teams are 70 and 39 at this point. Um, but this this is a – they got Scherzer back. They got the ground back. Tyler McGill is on the way back. Uh, 13, 14 games ago, Austin Riley basically said they were coming for the Mets when they – when the Braves were a half game out since then, the Mets have taken 12 of 14, and the Braves have lost 8 of 14. The Mets are now six and a half up on the Braves, um, but they're still the rest of August and September. So, um, but I'm enjoying the ride. Pete Alonso, Francisco, and Lindor. Um, they did get Daniel Vogel back at the trade deadline. Uh, J.D. Davis was a sacrificial lamb. He went to San Francisco for uh, Darren Ruff. Didn't know why they made that trade, but okay. Um, and But the the team is, you just see the team just having fun. Uh, they got a great manager, Buck Showalter. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun um gonna be fun just to see how it plays out or it may not be fun i don't know yet but <laughs> <laughs> but i've been enjoying the the ride and and the nl east may get half the wild card field in which would be pretty interesting with the phillies winning five in a row and closing in on the Braves for second in the nl east all right um Give a shout-out to you, Dwayne. Give a shout-out to everybody that listens to Know the Score. Thank you for uh, dealing with us during our little summer, uh, you know, break here. But we're getting wrapped up, get back into it in a little bit more consistent fashion. Uh, I got two final thoughts. Uh, just give a, a rest in peace to Vin Scully, longtime voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He passed away uh, this week. Um, ben Scully, um, part of some of the most uh, – um, 
you know, memorable calls in the history of baseball. He his voice is, is somewhere uh, near it, uh, if it if it happened in the last 50, 60 years uh, in broadcast televised baseball, football as well, uh, voice for uh, football uh, sometimes as well. So just an all around great broadcaster. Um, generations of fans who grew up with Vin Scully as their narrator to uh, their favorite team. So definitely will be missed in the broadcast world. Well, and then my second uh, shout out, final thought goes to Bubba Wallace. Uh, acquired his first pole this weekend at Michigan. Just finished second in the race to Kevin Harvick. Uh, that's his fourth straight top 10 in the Cup Series. Longest streak of any current driver. Uh, he's at a point now where he's uh, getting some consistent equipment cars are fast and he's trying to show what he can do uh, once you start hanging out in the top 10 top five the next thing you require are wins so hopefully he can get one before uh, the final race uh, the regular season in daytona on october on august excuse me august 27th and uh, he can uh, get into the nascar playoffs uh, that would be an awesome way for him to uh, establish himself in his second year uh, driving for denny hamlin and joe gibbs but, uh, yeah, they've given him some really good cars. He's done a really good job of, uh, of, you know, finishing where he should in these races, which has been a long time coming throughout his career. So just very excited right now for the prospects of Bubba Wallace uh, moving forward in the Cup Series. So uh, hopefully a win will be coming very soon. Uh, Richmond's not one of his best tracks, so, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot for him to do well there. But Daytona on the 27th, the final race of the regular season, he will be a factor. So he's got one more bullet in the gun, at least, uh, when we get to Daytona. Um, so on that note, for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and now you know the score.